Welcome, ladies and gentlemen, to the Madness Continues podcast. Uh, you're hoping you're having a good day. Hope you get this on the Tuesday morning when you're on the train or on the bike or on the walk or on the crawl. I don't know what you do to get to work. Uh, <laughs> I'm not going to... Just trying to imagine my audience good wherever you guys are listening to this. Uh, you know, on the boat, on the if you're Felix Baumgartner on the fall down back to earth. Uh, I would be happy if you listen to this podcast. By the way, um, well, anyway, let me get into it. Uh, the many times we have different kinds of people on the podcast. Uh, ostensibly, the point of this whole thing is for me to try to figure out uh, an answer to present shock, future shock, how to make my way in the world. And uh, we have different people on all the time from different perspectives to talk about it. And today we've got Jeremy Miller, uh, Jeremy Miller, thought leader, marketer, uh, content generator, and the founder of Sticky Branding. Welcome to the podcast, buddy. Oh, pleasure to be here, Brendan. Thanks for having me. Uh, you're well. You're, you're welcome, man. Uh, we're we're kind of we're gonna get into a lot of different things. I think in the podcast, ostensibly. Um, the way that this kind of came about is uh, I, we, we connected over your your new book, Brand New Name, which we're going to talk about here in mm-hmm. a little bit. Before we even get into that, though, I got to ask you, you're, um, are you a big Mississauga Steelheads fan? Uh, like the fish? Like what are we talking about here? <laughs> yeah, this, no, no, the OHL team, man. The, uh, no, the, the junior no, I'm the one OHL can... team from Mississauga. I'm... I just learned about something new. Uh, no, I'm the the one Canadian who actually doesn't know how to skate. So, oh my uh, gosh, are you serious? Yeah, yeah. It's so funny because I used to. Uh, we were talking before the pod slightly. I used to do a lot of. Um, I got into doing uh, making a day job amount of money doing basically cold calling and emailing. That was how I paid my bills for a long time. And mm-hmm. I did a lot of calls into Canada. And I got as soon as I. I learned that I could, I knew OHL. I grew up in Detroit, Michigan, and we had literally like three blocks from the Plymouth Whalers home ice, and mm-hmm. they dominated the OHL in the nineties, much to the chagrin of many a, a Canadian. And that we take America, it serious, yeah, and it, yeah, yeah, for real. And so I would get on these phone calls with people from like North Bay, or from, uh, I mean, just anywhere, Sarnia. Mm-hmm. And would just mention like, hey, how the how do you big Sarnia Knights fan? And people could tell I was an American from my accent, and they would be like, "What? How do you know about the Sarnia Knights?" Like they would, <laughs> it would always blow the call up. This is the one time, and you're hearing a live audience that this tactic has not worked with the Canadian on the on the phone. <laughs> you got the one. So the, my my introduction to hockey was I, I think it was like five or six. The, the standard thing you get put on skates, and I think after two weeks of my dad going to the hockey arena, he's like, "Nope." I am not spending my next 15 years in this place. And he put us on skis the next week and uh, <laughs> we became a ski snowboard family and never kind of looked over my shoulder. But I, I think uh, your cold calling tactics brilliant. I'd probably start off though and piss them off a little and go, I, I hear your team's not very good yeah. and get them on the defensive. And then you can pitch them something because then they're going to be looking for a way to win. Yeah, that's right. That's maybe a good point. Yeah. They, uh, I, they, just to get them angry and get their juices flowing before going in. I I think b- saying that I was a Plymouth Whalers fan at the time was enough to get them like pretty angry because people people really in in Ontario did not have a I mean they were angry about that team being successful for like a really long time. To this day, it's so weird because every once in a while, like my family really likes to go fishing in Canada, like up to Lake Simcoe and places like this. Mm, By the way, beautiful. 
everybody in like the Russian Federation, uh, America, really anybody but Ontarians who are listening to this are probably rolling their eyes so hard right now. At this point, at this point. This so is really... We're just talking about uh, the, 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 the North, or I don't know, where do we live? The Upper East? Something yeah. like that? Anyway, it, it's the cold white North. It's the cold white North, man. We would go up to uh, Lake Simcoe, and every once in a while I would mention being from Plymouth, Michigan, and people would be like, Plymouth Whalers? I hate that team. Like, <laughs> been like, dude, it's been 20 years. <laughs> like, let it, let it go. This is a minor league hockey team. <laughs> they should get over. Like, the when's the last time the Leafs won? Like, a million years ago? So, like, we should be used to losing. Yeah. <laughs> I got no love for hockey on this side. Every Canadian, I'm, I'm, I'm going to lose my uh, citizenship. I'm like, done. Oh, man, that is so funny. <laughs> I've never, and this is the best part, Brendan. I've never said this out loud. I've de- this is the first time on air. I've I've actually admitted that how un-Canadian I actually am. So uh, thank you. This is a great way to start. <laughs> You're welcome. We have a landmark in your in your uh, career as a Canadian. Be like, oh man, did you hear Lemon's podcast? Man, that was ridiculous. <laughs> September nineteenth, twenty nineteen. That's when we knew Jeremy Miller. Uh uh-uh. uh Card revoked. <laughs> yep, yep. It's, uh, I don't even know what i got to do now. Thank goodness I've got uh, visas for the UK and the US. So at least I can still work, but damn it, this country's done to me. <laughs> uh, it's cool that you got visas for both the UK and the US. How much time are you spending over there? You going over a lot? Uh, I'm... I'm, so I'd that say sixty percent of my, my audience know. By the way, that was a sigh of Jeremy going. This is not at all what I signed up to talk about on this podcast. <laughs> well, now I've got to do math in my head. So I'd say sixty percent of Sticky Branding's revenue comes from the United States. So we do both. So as a in my business, I'm a, a speaker and a consultant. So I speak at conferences and events, and and the most of them are in the U.S. Uh, and also our largest uh, consulting clients are there too. Okay. Uh, the UK is a developing market for me, so I'd say four or five times a year right now. Well, that's pretty cool. I mean, any chance you get to go over there, I love that country. I've got family over there and, and try to go over as often as possible. Um, they uh, I, just the, It's fascinating. I think from probably from a Canadian perspective, less cultural differences than uh, from an American perspective between the UK and the USA versus uh, UK and Canada. But uh, it's very interesting to go over. Also, if we have time at the end, we can talk a little bit about doing comedy over there. I would love to hear what it's like to do be a speaker in front of a, a British audience. I feel like that would be interesting because I can only speak from a comedy perspective. Uh, it's it, very different. I, it's a night and day audience. Is it really? All right. Well, we'll table that one for now, and we'll get into the meat of this conversation. Um so I, fascinatingly, uh, so your your the, your book, which is coming out, I think in seventeen days, eighteen days from the t- recording of this podcast, is coming out pretty soon. Um, October eighth. October eighth, brand new name. Uh, we are going to talk about what's in a name. This entire book is dedicated to name branding, which is interesting because it's it's something that. Having launched a, and worked in a handful of startups myself, I'm aware is very important, and lots of. Uh, lots of thought and a, a lot of conversation. Every startup I've been at has been around. You know, what do we name it? How do we name it? What are we going to do? I mean, we'll go through. I mean, we'll go through some of the process and a lot in the book. But what's fascinating to me is that I, there's never been a guide really um, to to go through this. Or if there is, there's a handful of articles maybe written by somebody, uh, probably you, I that I read. <laughs> Could be. 
and uh, and no actual guide. So now there is a guidebook to actually naming something. And I know that a lot of my audience uh, are the the types who would be interested in launching a project, launching a business, launching anything, and having to name it. So this is a very apropos conversation, I think, for for for, for them and for the world that we live in today. So. Um, so let's jump in. What is in a name, I think, to start? Well, I think a name is the most important marketing and brand asset that you can have. That uh, that the way you know me as Jeremy Miller, the way I know you uh, as Brendan, and, and the way we know each other is, uh, is, is very much by our name. So a name is a label in your mind on how you categorize something, and it it's actually contains all the stories, all the experiences, everything you know – uh, about something. And so I think the name is probably the most important brand or marketing asset you can have. It's the longest living artifact. You don't change these things very often, if ever. And getting it right is is absolutely important because uh, how whatever you name something, whether it's your company, a product, a service, even a comedy routine, uh, like what, what are you going to call your, your special, your, your show? That name for that uh, event is how people will be talking about it. If you just think about it from a Netflix perspective, like um, Dave Chappelle does his uh, Sticks and Stones special and everyone's losing their mind as a critic saying how horrible it is and every fan is like, this is the best thing I've ever seen. But Sticks and Stones is the name of that performance and that's what we actually remember. And so that name, I think, is uh, is that one thing that will become uh, – is that is that that one thing that you will be known by? You know, it's fascinating you bring that up because that was actually on my list to bring up, which is <clears throat> I'm glad that you've very quickly displayed a knowledge of the world that I inhabit because it, let, let's talk about that. For everybody, you know, listening, I would encourage you to go, uh, one, get a Netflix subscription, uh, whatever you got to do. Clean your couch cushions once a month to find the budget to do that. And uh, and and go get it and watch Chappelle's new special, Sticks and Stones. But it's it's perfect. This is in a way, it's perfect because he's controlled the conversation under the umbrella of that name, of the name of that special. Because it, it, here we are, like just like you said, Jeremy. There's an entire realm of critics. I mean, I think never had there been such a disparity between the level of the Rotten Tomatoes critical. Uh, you know, measurement on a on on anything, and the audience's measurement on the same thing. I think the critics gave it like thirteen percent. Audience approval rating was like ninety nine percent or something. Like it's amazing, and it has to do with exactly what you said. Where oh man, Dave's talking about he's being transphobic, he's being fat phobic, he's being ageist, he's being any of these things that we can throw out. And it's interesting because you're like, dude, the name of his special is Sticks and Stones. Like he's. Mm-hmm. The idea that words will never hurt you is the is the the unspoken second part of this. Like he he's just he, he's in a way display, and everybody who's in the know gets it. Like all the mm-hmm. comedians I speak to are like, how are the people not understanding this is exactly what he wanted them to do, and and then and they're doing it. So it's interesting that that actually is a great point. I think. To go further, uh, there's this comedian in, in New York. He's really blowing up. He's on TV a lot. He's on The Daily Show. Um, I've known him for years. His name's Jabuki Young White. I don't know if you've heard of him. Yeah, yeah, he's funny. Oh, yeah, funny guy. I, I've known him since uh, he was basically a college student in Chicago. We've been on similar shows and stuff. His career has just launched. But it's funny. I saw the agent who discovered him on a panel at New York Television Festival last year. 
and mm-hmm. he legitimately said to like the crowd, he was like, I saw this comic. He was good. You know, his name was Jabuki Young White, though. And I was like, man, what a unique name. What an interesting guy. And he's like, that's why I started talking with him at the comedy show I was at. And I'm thinking to myself, that's it, man. He's got such a unique and interesting name. And I think, honestly, that's that's what his uh, part of his appeal is. is it, it, it It's branding for him at the beginning exactly what you know what what you're getting when you get him and and everything that he does follows with it like he's a unique comic he's like he's like biracial he's you know bisexual he's everything that you know a gen z young you know young millennial crowd is interested in getting a, a comedy from and and it all follows from his name if his name was something like like peter givens I doubt people would be, to be perfectly honest, everything else could be the same. I doubt people would be as interested. But isn't that what branding's all about? It, it, it's it's getting someone to take notice of you. And so if everybody is just having something that's bore, boring or bland, or boring or bland is simply a convention. Everyone's following the same thing. So he has taken a different track on on, on how he has positioned himself. And if you look at... It's not a, a, an uncommon thing. Actors have been changing their names uh, forever. Like, uh, like maybe they have a, a Jewish-sounding name or 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 a foreign-sounding name of some kind, and and so depending on where we are in the culture, we we will change for that. But uh, today, it's not about uh, fitting in as much. Uh, it's it's now how do we stand out? And so I think he's making bold steps, which indicates that he's really serious about his career. I, yeah, I applaud no him for that. I'm. I mean, I'm jealous as hell. To be perfectly honest, I feel like I wonder if. No, I did his mother him. name him that, or did he re- rename himself? No, no, no. That's his name. Yeah, that's his yeah, name. Yeah. So his uh, mom set him up for this. Like, this, like you think of uh, like Usain Bolt. That's a fast sounding name. He was destined to be like the fastest man on Word. I mean, the uh, number. I have a whole comedy bit on this. Uh, the 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 most common name for dentists is Dennis. Like, there's. <laughs> There is something there. My name was almost, I came very close to being, this is totally true, by the way, I came very close to being named Rafe Cortez, and instead I got Brendan Lemon. Uh, so you can see So that, would it be Rafe Cortez Lemon? Like, oh, I would have been what? Rafe Cortez Lemon, baby. It would have been. <laughs> I, have you considered a, a name change? Like, I, I, There's I a feel, book for this. Yeah, I... <laughs> Yeah, I well maybe I should honestly, Jeremy. This is part of the reason I was excited to have you on the pod. Is I was like, I've considered changing my my name for for comedy purposes, and it's so funny because my girlfriend recently was like, "Well, what about you're gonna like get, you know, people who have been following you are gonna like maybe have to like, you know, you might lose some of them." And I was like, "Who has been following me?" <laughs> Well, a name change is just, it's all about, it's two vessels. So you got one vessel, Brendan Lemon, and then you're going to have to pour the contents into Rafe Cortez Lemon. And like RCL's got a nice ring to it. You got like the uh, uh, Orcasia Cortez, uh, I can't remember her last name now. We got the, those acronyms popping up. I think we could brand you pretty well. Yeah, Ocasio Cortez is her, is her last name. Yeah, Alexandra Ocasio, AOC. That's it. AOC. Yeah. That's it. I forgot the beginning. Yeah. Um, showing my Canadianism, I've I've tuned out my uh, CNN Fox News diet so that I can function as a human being again. I love not to digress this conversation from why my name blows, uh, which we should <laughs> definitely lean into. Mm-hmm. Uh, but the CBC man, you need to not watch Fox News or MSNBC or CNN and just. 
just just plop on the CBC, man. The Canadian Broadcasting Company is crushing it up uh, <laughs> up north of, uh, of 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 the states. Well, we we have like one station, I think, right? Yeah, that's pretty much. <laughs> That's pretty much. I think you got two. There's a French language one also <laughs> up there. Well, we don't go over there. We don't just. We just don't do that. <laughs> so, I, but okay. So let's get back to uh, let's get back to my name because I feel like uh, I, I I've thought a lot actually, Jeremy, about renaming myself, and I was thinking about going through the, some of the steps, not to give away the game in terms of uh, you know content in the book, but you have a um, you you actually you have a method for figuring out names and how you should what you should do. I think when it comes to a little bit to to me in terms of like should I be testing out my name or things like this, uh, you know, I, I could follow the steps. They're very interesting. Um, but I have thought about renaming myself for for stage purposes instead of Brendan Lemon. I was thinking about going like with Brendan Fox or or some other type, following in the footsteps of Michael J. Fox, who's a big inspiration, although he was never a comedian, or you know, Brendan Carlin or something like that. I thought like, why not just take the name of an already other famous comic and just, just, just do that. And then when people ask, I'm like, yeah, yeah, not related at all. But, um, so, so, but isn't lemon a funny word? Lemon's a great word. Not when you're six. Uh, it's a pretty terrible last name when you're in elementary school. I've come to appreciate it as I've gotten older, which is why I haven't uh, why I haven't changed it for for comedy. Plus, I've had a lot of people tell me that saying Brendan Lemon is fun. I think because of the assonance in the syllables, mm-hmm. there's something vaguely poetic about it. Um, yeah, it's got a rhythmic quality to it, and you got to say assonance, which is a heavy emphasis of ass. So, like, uh, we're all in the the right area of comedy right now. <laughs> you know what makes great comedy is having that assonance, dropping mm-hmm. that assonance. Uh, <laughs> Most professional See, interview Jeremy's ever had, ladies and gentlemen. Uh, uh, we're working hard here. We're working, we're working really hard with that assonance. Uh, so okay, so let so Wait, so so here's my question for you: What will you gain if you change your name? Well, this is the this is the thing. I could, you know, I could gain that attention. I think that you because know, here's the thing: I'm a I'm a white male cis gendered heteronormative man in his 30s and i feel like the name brendan lemon was built for a guy who is in middle management like it sounds like <laughs> so you're saying that uh this is just a bit I, by the way too, i just heard my uh, me roommate, too i'm sorry to interrupt i just heard my roommate laugh in the other room <laughs> <laughs> see we know we got the audience now this is amazing so you're just saying your name is just is a bit too puff. Is that is that how we're thinking about this? Well, it doesn't. It's not the name of like a guy who, uh, you know, it, it's not a Rafe Cortez. Yeah, it's not a Rafe Cortez. I mean, if I was a Rafe Cortez, I would be obviously in a. I, first of all, I'd have six or seven famous model girlfriends. There's no way a Rafe Cortez couldn't have that. Secondly, I would have the cocaine market of the Caribbean cornered. Because Rafe Cortez <laughs> is the man you contend with in the Bahamas for that white snow. Can we uh, can we position you then as the most interesting comedian in the world? I think I feel like I would I feel like I would have to be that the na- the most interesting man in the world's name has got to be Rafe Cortez like that. There's no lemon at the end of his last name though. His name is just Rafe Cortez. No middle. His middle name would have to be like. Uh, Ignacio or Napoleon. 
Rafe Napoleon, Napoleon Cortez. That's the guy's name. <laughs> lemon. lemon. We, we need to put the lemon on the end. <laughs> Actually, yours should be a hyphen lemon. <laughs> Rafe Cortez hyphen lemon. Cortez. But I'm changing lemon to limon. L-I-M-O with the accent and... <laughs> I think you gotta just you gotta cracker it up and just be like you, you, like your your mom or yeah like I don't know which side's which but like yeah you had dad is your your lemon side it came second so you, your dad like just in married just like the most interesting hot Cortez you could find and then they created you and this named is, you Rafe. This is uh, this is, I feel like I'm. Are you gonna send me an invoice after this for like a consulting <laughs> fee or something? <laughs> If this is my consulting services, I'm already in trouble. <laughs> okay, all right, Jeremy. But let's let's go through. So I want to know. So you have just at a high level. What if I'm if if I'm let's say I'm going to go through this exercise to rename myself. Yep. What yep. what would the steps be like? Can you walk through just quickly at a high level, kind of what what the general approach would be to me trying to figure out how to do this? So the first thing I look at is strategy. That's why I asked you that question. I think so changing a name is a really important decision. And it's not to say that you shouldn't like I, I helped a client uh, a year or so ago change their name it was a family business and they were called a one shipping supplies. Now, obviously, 30, 40 years ago, the yellow pages that made sense. But in 2018, that's pretty much a liability. Mm. So if Brendan Lemon is becoming a liability for you, it's just uh, you're you're just a bit too uh, uh, down the middle. Then yeah, maybe we need to spice it up. So if you've got a clear reason for this, then what we do is what the book shows you how to do is actually everything you need to name something. So stage one, you build your naming strategy. What are you naming? What's it take to stand out? What's the measures of success? Step two is I take you through a five-day creative sprint where you generate as many ideas as you possibly can. So we're going to start with Rafe Cortez, but I want you to go deeper. I want you to think about this from multiple different angles to generate more options because the worst thing that could happen is you get to the end of the idea and then you find out there's another com comedian named Rafe Cortez and you're like, ah, man. And now you have to start well, I've over. Already, I've already you know, bought the domain Now you've already name. pitched it. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Or, the, or the, what actually happens, though, is you get through your ideation, you find out the domain's taken. Like all the three character dot coms are gone. All the four character dot coms are taken. Most of the five are gone. Like chances are, if it, like if we go to Google our names today, somebody else has the Instagram URL, the uh, the dot com, all those types of things. What we're dealing with today is a, is a, a name shortage, a naming drought. So you need to generate lots of ideas so that when you go to test them, that uh, you've got options. Mm. And then, uh, sorry, go ahead. Well, I just going to say, yeah, that's very interesting. You mentioned that in the book, that we're in this, we're in this very strange naming doubt, that there's, there's, there's more things that have been named than almost are uh, words in the English language. Well, we think about it. We've got over 30 million uh, domain names registered, and there's 470,000 words in the Merriam-Webster dictionary. So we've already trademarked language. Every single Greek god and goddess has a, has been trademarked. You think of Nike and Ajax and Amazon and everything else, even like the the not so hot ones like Pandora. Uh, <laughs> they're all being used to peddle stuff. Uh, I, I'm gonna go. I'm going to buy RafeCortezComedy.com right now. <laughs> well, now that you've broadcast this everywhere, you better. 
I, yeah, I'm gonna have to, man. Some new comedian's gonna come up. He's like, I am Rafe Cortez, and he starts crushing. He's got a Netflix special next year, this, and you're just gonna be like, oh this man, fucker. Yeah, <laughs> part of me. Sorry, my audience. I shouldn't. I, I'm sure you're gonna get people who are part of your audience who will listen to this. I hope that my uh, my my loose. Turn, my my loose French over here is not uh, gonna gonna upset their sensibilities. They've seen me speak, so we're probably on the same page. <laughs> <laughs> All right. The, so here's the last part we got to do with this, Brendan. Is what we need to do is test it. So here's my big question: Does Rave Cortez resonate more than Brendan Lemon? And and so, so we I need to it. we I need to compare my, this. I feel it in my loins when I hear that name, man. I, uh, I don't well, know if Brendan Lemon is, is causing anybody uh, those types of feels. Well, do you know this for sure? You might be in love with this thing, but is your market in love with it? Like, you might get it out there and like put that up on the billboard and be talking to crickets. All right. That is a good point. <laughs> I, I, so how do you – okay, so that, that – you know, market testing I feel like is a very important part of, uh, of, of every business in terms of a product. And in this way, it sounds like you're thinking about naming in, in, a, in a kind of way as a marketing product, and you're trying to test it in the marketplace to, to see. How would, you, how would you normally go about that? Do you do um, focus groups or do you just, I, I mean, what's a good way to approach that even? So you can do focus groups, but uh, I'm coming from an entrepreneurial background. I've been an entrepreneur for 15 years now, and, and I I kind of look at things. How do we do things on our own without spending a lot of money? What can we do to get feedback? Because, like, the problem you have with a name is what you have in your mind of what Rave Cortez could be may be totally different from everyone else. And the reason for that is you haven't breathed life into this brand yet. So, what you envision this name, nobody else can see yet. And so, we have this gap that we have to overcome. So, what I show you how to do in the book is first thing is I give you. Uh, a tool called a name score. And what you do is you essentially evaluate your names against your strategy. And so you get that, uh, it's just a simple little utility. In terms of market testing though, I think it's simple. Like what we could do is uh, we put your name on a piece of paper. So you have Brendan Lemon, Rafe Cortez, Rafe Cortez Lemon. Like we could take the variants of this. We put one name per page and we go in front of uh, your fans and we share the the sheets with them and say, okay, which one do you most, wh which one do you like the best? And we just have them pick it. And that's just giving you a gut check. And then five days later, we call them up and say, hey, which name did you pick again? Let's see which one they remember. And that's going to give us a recall test. Mm, mm. And those two tests aren't necessarily going to tell you what to choose, but they're going to give you a first indication of how someone in interacts with it. So you as the business owner have to take a step back and say, okay, what do I need strategically? But you're getting some market data to see what works. Uh, and so you can play with it. And you can even push this further. For example, say you're totally on the fence and you could do A-B testing. You take your name and put it on product A versus product B. Maybe you go to L.A., and you do a bunch of shows under Rafe Cortez and see how that resonates with the audience, what kind of persona you're going to create uh, versus going to New York, you, you play under Brendan Lemon and see what happens. And now you're, you're getting to see in real time how are these uh, identities fitting for you. I actually kind of love this idea. I feel like there's a, a part of me – the interesting thing about it I think from a, from a sort of a comedy and character perspective is – I could see myself doing almost completely different material just with a different name. 
Uh, mm-hmm. Like, like I could see uh, strangely, like your identity shifts, and it's funny because you talk about identity shifting based on, uh, or, or I mean, obviously that a name is important to to a brand, of course. That's why uh, this is, you know, this is so super important. But it's interesting that you you could, ch- I mean, just changing the name changes the product. The example you use in the book is with your own, your family's own firm, um, as you shifted the company. Uh, from what it was previously to 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 leap jobs, and I mm-hmm. I think that's a good example, which is like it it it's almost like there's a kind of strange like spiritual shift under under that, uh, and I, I think it's one of the things I wanted to talk to you about, although it's not something you necessarily talk about in the book, but I think is fascinating, sort of uh, in many ways, is that there some things have multiple names, and mm-hmm. at one time. People had multiple names, and they were known by different names to different groups or different people. And mm-hmm. I, I find it fascinating. I mean, even in Lord of the Rings, Gandalf was originally one name, and then he comes back and he's another name. Um, Gandalf the Grey to Gandalf the White, and the same thing. <clears throat> pardon me. The same thing is true with uh, with uh, the um, uh, with Strider, the um, who ends up becoming basically the king at the end of the book, uh, whose name mm-hmm. is totally escaping me right now. Uh, so apparently, one of his names did not have that much staying power, but Strider did in terms of the. I'm just smiling and nodding because my uh, Lord of the Rings uh, nerd power just left me. <laughs> <laughs> no, but I hear what you're saying. I get the analogy. The uh, so what's interesting in these metaphors that you're using, though, uh, or these examples, is you're talking about transformations. Yes, and. So the name change signals that you have gone from one state to another state, and that gives you freedom. And I think this is very common, actually, more common than you might realize in the marketing and business world. What I do, so in my so I come from a family business, as you mentioned, and, and a disproportionate number of Sticky Branding's clients are family enterprises. And and in family businesses, there's a lot of dynamics. Like, what's it like to make your mom cry? It, it's horrible, but that's a dynamic that you you sometimes face. Yeah, in a family uh, business. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Like I, I like I say that because I guess I've I never that. knew my family was in business. Uh. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it could, could be that kind of business too. So the uh, so but in a family you have different dynamics. But the thing that's interesting is so you look at what I did. I went from Miller and Associates, the name my dad generated, and I renamed the company Leap Job, and that was part of the succession. And a number of family businesses actually change their names as they go through succession. So mm. A1 Shipping Supplies, when the Malevarous brothers took over the company, they went, okay, A1 was dad's name. It fit for the Yellow Pages. Now it's an embarrassment. And they created Rocket Line. And that signaled what they want to become. Or if you go out to Seattle, uh, some of the most iconic restaurants there, like the Metropolitan Grill and Elliott's on the Water, is owned by a restaurant group called E3. But their name was originally, for 40-plus years, Consolidated Restaurants, Inc., or CRI. Mm. And when Jim Rowe took the business over as the third generation, he changed the company name. And so E3 is actually the seasoning spice used in all of their restaurants in the Pacific Northwest. And it was named after Earl Owens, who was their executive chef uh, that ran the Metropolitan Grill back in the 80s. He was this larger-than-life character. And so this became a a hat tip to Earl and the legacy of their restaurants, but it was also a signal of what they want to become. So 
what we're doing in a name change is triggering a transformation. And so if we go back to this, the Rafe Cortez uh, line of thinking, what you could be doing is going from Gandalf the Great to Gandalf the White, so Brendan Lemon to Rafe Cortez, and maybe it's setting out the kind of brand you want to build as, as a comedian and a performer over the next five years. I, this is this is so solid, man. You might this might be the last podcast I do is Brendan Lemon. <laughs> <laughs> if we sold that out today, this would be this would be gold. I'm, I'm going to put that up on my my list of uh, of accomplishments. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. I Beat it. Oprah on the bestsellers list. Help Brendan Lemon become Rafe Cortez. I he know. found I... his true calling. <laughs> you can that's a, that's something you can put up on your whiteboard and cross out in one day. What a great mm-hmm. <laughs> man! Bucket I did list. a lot. Didn't this know week. it, but. Oh, that's too funny. <laughs> um, so, so it's fascinating because, like this, I'm amazed that no one else has has really written a book about this. I mean, it's, it's fascinating because what, in many ways, when I was reading your the the book, I was thinking to myself, this is a this feels like a natural extension from, and you even mentioned them in your book is uh, Al Rice and uh, Jack Trout's positioning because they mention. Uh, you know, brand name recognition and sort of brand name product association and things like this. No one gets a tissue paper, they get a Kleenex, whether or not they even get some, it from a Kleenex branded box, that's what they grab. Same thing is true with Band-Aid. They've, they've nailed these things so solidly that they're, they're now what we, what we call things culturally. And it feels like I'm kind of amazed no one else has done a deep meditation on this because it, it is so important. Mm. This was my, like I said, I've been an, an entrepreneur for 15 years. This is uh, my my third business. I've named lots of products and it's always painful. And when I go on Amazon, there's a few books there. There's two or three, but they never gave me what I was looking for. And then you go online and get the guides and they're frustrating. Have you ever seen – there's this classic meme and I'll, I'll send it to you uh, afterwards. You, uh, you can share it. Uh, but it's, how, it's a, how to Draw an Owl, a simple guide for beginners on how to draw an owl. And you do it in two steps. So step one, draw two circles, one for the head and one for the body. Step two, now draw the rest of the damn owl. <laughs> and it's, it's a picture of the owl. And you're like, what the hell? This is – and then there's a whole lot of F-bombs being thrown out there. And every time I, d- I picked up a guide, it would be like, okay, first things first, you need an evocative name, and it should be this and that, and you want to have it like Apple or Caterpillar. And you get all these like, like oh, this sounds amazing. I want to be like Apple. I want to be like uh, Virgin. I think I could do that. Steve Jobs is the bomb. And then they're like, all right, now name the damn product. And you're like, fuck. Like, you just you just lose your mind a little bit. And, uh, and so – this was my big that frustration so uh, for marketing, for branding, for everything right now, is there's so many books out there that tell me the why and the what, but what about the how and the do? I'm sick and tired of learning what my why is. Like Simon Sinek is a genius, and I love the, the principles of it, but I don't care. I want to make money. I want to help my clients. I want to grow my business. I don't need another big idea. Just show me what to do, oh and that's actually what Brand I, New Name's all about. I could not agree with you more. And you mentioned it in the book also. This is the other point that I wanted to talk to you about is you mentioned that you're like a list of priorities and to-dos and etc. This is not a strategy. These are these are things that can go into a strategy, but it's not a strategy. 
I, I, I wanted to, I almost feel like your next book needs to be w- talking about what strategy is. And I feel like you kind of just gave me the core of it right there, which is like, I want to know a how, like, how are we going to do any of these things? Because uh, there is, I mean, you're right. There's this, there's a real turn in a lot of this literature to, you know, start with why, understand the why. When you understand the why, the how comes about. No, it doesn't. Like I don't, I can understand why how. I'm drawing a fucking owl. Like I need to draw an owl. That's why I'm drawing it. <laughs> no, can you give me the steps to get there? Like, uh, I, like I, I, we both speak. We 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 work with lots of different people. Like actually, take it back to your previous life and working with large organizations and lead generation and demand generation. The uh, if someone were to come to you and say, "All right, Brendan." We need more leads, or if you go in even worse and you told them, all right, you need more leads, you need to feed your sales force, uh, uh, yada, 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 and they'll be like, cool, how? And you're like, oh, I, I did my work, you should write me a check. They will kick you in the nuts. Like, it, <laughs> d- d- do your fucking job. <laughs> now you got me ranting, sorry. <laughs> I That is hilarious. Uh <laughs> The uh, I I feel like I I there's just there's some there there really is, like people need to understand I, this is weird not to do this deep cut but my um my my part of my senior thesis graduating from college was on the lost art of praxis which is the original philosophical name for the philosophy of how to do things and there like there's there's just a, there's a lost discussion of actually how to do anything and it it, it just it's it's mind numbing because even in the the truth is like I started doing it's funny that you you've written this book basically out of a need to just be like how the how, people some people need to understand how to do this and yep. I started doing the same thing with sales development I started creating writing a lot of sales development courses uh, I've got a you know a handful of them online uh, I've got a, a a bunch of different articles that I've written and I've posted them on LinkedIn in different places mostly because I end up doing sales development work or consulting work with a number of companies and the same thing is true is I'm just like I just how has nobody talked about how to actually do this like if you go to many sales development seminars or read even more so read articles They'll say things like, "Okay, pick up the phone now. Call someone now. Sell them something." And you're like, "How do you do? How do you even like?" Yeah. There's just some kind of like people just expect you to be a wizard. So uh, anyway, you've it's, done. It's well, uh, it's business bankruptcy. It's moral bankruptcy. It's uh, like and people are making gobs of money selling online courses and all this kind of stuff. Like, uh, like it, every time I see it, it, it like it's some webinar on how to make uh, tons of money in seven figures. I'm like. Bullshit. Like I, I, I'm calling bullshit out of the gate. Like I'm, I, if that that wizardry actually exists, then uh, I, I'm yet to see it. But most of the time, we're selling people on dreams and not on on the process. And 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 there's a few authors out there, and there's a few business people that are actually doing this. But uh, my frustration, and you're saying the same thing, is I think we're trying to solve really complex problems. This isn't like buying a for dummies book and like, here's your six steps to do something. These are complex problems and they need creativity and they need energy and they, they, and one size doesn't fit all. But that doesn't mean there isn't process to that. Like if you think of what does it take to be a great basketball player or a great football player or any kind of sport, it's a learn trained skill that has process in the development of an athlete. And as an athlete, there is process on how you get better. Why don't we have that in business for solving 
common complex problems. It doesn't mean we have the same solution for every out for every problem, but there should be some method, right? You know, you you mentioned creativity, and you, and and again, just to pull this back to to the book, you mentioned the the rise in IQ and the the but. but a drop in the rate of creativity sort of culturally. Um, that's fascinating to me because there's a, I forget who it was. It might've been Jonathan Haidt, uh, but someone and who was talking about uh, sort of our, uh, you know, the next generation. I think they were speaking about millennials and, and potentially Gen Z when they were saying we're re- raising an entire generation of middle managers in many ways. And, it's it's fascinating to me because I think that that lack of creativity is in, is is indicative of 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 a lot of problems that I think we're seeing socially. That there's no new approaches to you know I mean even in the political environment it feels like every you know we're going through the democratic you know debates here in the states and I don't know if you've watched any of them. I know you said you've been tuned out on Fox News and CNN. I, probably I tried for the my best. best to avoid them. Yeah, yeah, probably for the best, but. You know, many of the talking points that all of the these, you know, these politicians have sound exactly like. I mean, I could have tuned into a debate eight years ago and probably would have seen very similar talking points. There's almost a, a, a you know, a complete lack of of creative approaches to to actual real world problems. And outlandish. They, the like the few I have listened to, I shouldn't say I'm totally out disconnected, but it's uh, it sounds to me like a high school uh, debate or high school election. Like I'm going to promise two proms and fourteen uh, drinking fountains, <laughs> and we're going to all have every Friday off. Like they're empty promises that that aren't going anywhere. Um, but it, it, I don't know if that's necessarily a lack of creativity or it's just the way we're we're operating in like the, i think we have so much noise and so many silos of content and also we have major structural problems the way our school systems are organized the busyness that we experience everything are coming together and the science is clearly showing that we are beating the creativity out of people we're all born creative but the older you get the 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 more you start to associate your technical skills with your ability to ideate mm. and i find this to be an absolute shame because uh uh we are are allowing our our creative abilities to atrophy and then delegating that responsibility to other people to help solve problems to entertain us to do whatever and it and it and and so be, you've been very passive and but what we deal with today as from a business context is massive disruption the world is changing so quickly oh, yeah. around us that the i think the only way a, a, a small or mid-sized company can be successful, even a large company, it doesn't matter, actually, any, the only way to be successful right now is through building up the creative capabilities of yourself and your team because the only way you're going to find creative solutions to solve problems is by using that muscle because uh, we might have really brilliant advertising or really brilliant products. You look at what companies are coming out. The vacant hole in most organizations is actually internal. How do we actually build the product better? How do we serve our customers better? It's internal processes and systems. And everyone in that organization can have a role in making the business better. And that's how you deal with disruption. It's those small incremental changes to serve your clients better. Yeah, I, this, I mean, you know, one of the things that I've noticed just in my, in my, day job career doing sales development consulting is whatever is what what it what is true of every an endemic of every organization that has issues and and is not 
and is not properly functional or producing is that their people do not feel empowered to make authoritative, creative decisions to solve problems in real time. That they 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 don't they have they feel like they need to they don't want to get in trouble mostly they just want to not get in trouble I've noticed <laughs> like if you in every organization that feels like it's non functioning it's people who just don't want to do anything wrong and you're like we can't be no one is going to grow a business if they're more focused on trying to not do the wrong thing than they are trying to do the right thing and that feels like I mean it's just at the core of your book I think is a spine that 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 attempts to address address that problem and and doing it with a place that feels like a natural first place to do it which is in 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 naming in monikers so um i this you must book be working is, for me you nailed my strategy i know right i just <laughs> it, it, it is a stepping stone if you can use the creative principles to name something if you can unlock the creative genius of your team and get a taste of this and you can see the culture shifts that happen by not only in yourself but in the people around you then my hope ultimately on this book is you create a brilliant name, number one, like that's the reason this book exists, and number two, that we introduce to you the power of employee co-creation and and a process on how you can actually do this type of stuff because I think this is just the starting point that uh, it's such a baby boomer mentality to, to prescribe someone how to do their job. Let's empower people. This is uh, – there's no way we can use a tailorist mindset to get things done anymore. So your word empowerment is 100% the the thing that we should be aspiring to as leaders. I like the term. I want to get a t-shirt that says word empowerment on the front of it. <laughs> <laughs> hashtag word well, empowerment. Well, hashtag, but put some Rafe Cortez in there too. <laughs> well, I think uh, you'd need just a – like you just need a symbol, like a crest that goes with Rafe Cortez, like something classy. Oh, it it's would be, be a great brand identity, right? It would be a, it would be a, um, a Comorian helmet that – Cortez war when you know conquistador war when he came over to uh to to, to the new world It'd I can't wait to see you perform with that it's going to be the best show I've ever like seen a big helmet and like a, a a breastplate people are like I would get a huge audience of people who were like this guy isn't speaking Spanish like <laughs> <laughs> but and then you talk nothing around any of those types of topics either it's just pure like nerding out on the state of the world yeah it would be exactly what it would be i would be it would all be inside joke nerd comedy like you guys think what's you know what's really funny about the fourth season of community like just <laughs> nobody would People would be very confused. There'd be a lot of. Yeah, I think this brand yeah. is already going to bomb. We need yeah. to. We need to turn it around. The brand. strategy's off. The strategy's off. <laughs> That's so funny. A lot of brand product misalignment. <laughs> oh my god. Back to Brendan Lemon. Yeah, back to Brendan Lemon. Uh, well, uh, let me ask you. We're heading up on time. I want to be respectful of that. I feel. I feel like we cut. Co- this was good. We covered a lot in here. I'm changing my name. That didn't, doesn't happen in every podcast. And uh, I should also say uh, before we go, I want to ask what what are you you have kids? What are their names? I don't have kids. I have yeah. a cat. <laughs> what, what's your cat's name? <laughs> uh, my cat is Jupiter. My where his sister. She, we don't have her anymore. She was Tanuki, and she had these two um, black patches over her eyes. So a Tanuki in uh, Japan is a, rac- a raccoon dog. Mm. So that was the creative naming on that. But Jupiter is a big fat cat, so Piggles and Jupiter kind of go together. Oh my gosh, that's actually great naming. <laughs> I've always wanted yeah. a name. I've always had every time I have a dog, I name the dog after a stand-up comic, and every time I get a cat, I name the cat after a philosopher. Very uh, well. Cool. Like Aristotle, so, the, these kinds of things. So, if there's any parents that are or would-be parents that are coming out, 
here I have three names that I'm advocating for that I haven't convinced anyone to do yet, but I think they are amazing, gender neutral, like set your kid up for success names. I can't wait to hear this. First one, Pixel. It's retro now. What? Not going to know what it is, but it, it's uh, hipster. Pixel. Uh, that's balcony. a great name. Yeah, Pixel. I think it would be an awesome name. Pixel is a nice. cute girl. Who, she sits in the front of the class. She's the teacher loves her. She's very creative, and she nails all of her homework. She gets a job doing something creative. Uh, she's she's a chief creative officer at a at a startup that ends up growing into being a Fortune 500 company. That's who Pixel is. Sold. You've nailed it. You got the buyer persona down, or child <laughs> persona. I should even call it the child uh, persona. <laughs> yeah. The uh, the next one that I'm I'm a big fan of is uh, Balcony, who doesn't Ooh. love view. Ooh, that that's great. Balcony is a once again a, a a little girl who grows up to be an actress who marries a very rich uh, uh, old money uh, venture capitalist. That's who Balcony is. I love it. I, I'm fascinated that they're all becoming female. They're supposed to be gender neutral here. Like, help me out. They could be gender. I mean, look, they could be gender neutral. <laughs> but I'm, I'm, my brain is going. If I know a balcony, that's a woman who has twenty thousand, not even twenty thousand, like twenty two hundred thousand Instagram followers. When she posts a photo of her being like, just another day at uh, you know, Cabo San Lucas, and then everybody, there's just a billion shares of that. That's who balcony is. That's what's coming to mind. And she's just got a big badonkadonk. I <laughs> <laughs> uh, couldn't resist. Sorry. Uh, and then the third name is Cauliflower. I don't know why. I just think a kid named – it's like a boy named Sue, but I think Cauliflower would just be a great thing to name a kid. I might have to name my kid Cauliflower. Cauliflower Lemon. Cauliflower oh Lemon. God. Cauliflower is- Lemon has like phonetic qualities to that. Like. Uh, you can make a recipe out of that. Cauliflower Lemon is a boy who grows up to be the general manager of a of, of a pro baseball team. He is MLB Hall of Fame manager of the Oakland A's, Cauliflower Lemon. <laughs> and he had a, they had a tough rate, tough road getting there. He, he he fought his way through high school, and obviously because his parents didn't love him, but. Um, <laughs> But yeah, but now he's a success. They would put his quotes up right next to Yogi Berra's cauliflower lemon. I, oh my gosh, it's, I, dude, I, I might have to name my kid that now. One of my other bits, it's funny that we're into this. And I again, I, I want to be respectful of time to get because we're going to be winding up. But one of my other bits is naming what I'm going to name my children. Okay. And uh, I, I think I might have to name my kid uh, Billion Dollar Daddy. <laughs> <laughs> I, well it's obvious like his father was destined for that <laughs> it's just it's so ridiculous uh jeremy miller anything else where can people get after you where can they find you uh where, where what's a good way to to follow you and 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 what's a great place to get the book so you can find me on all the social networks at Sticky Branding. Um, feel free to connect with me anywhere. I'd love to, to chat. Uh, uh, my website StickyBranding.com. So basically, Google, Google Sticky Branding, you'll find me. The book is called Brand New Name. It's out on October 8th and available where books are sold. But obviously, Amazon's the easiest place to buy a book. All right, perfect. Amazon, it comes out in uh, on the 8th. So only, I'm not sure this podcast will be released 
before then, probably right before then. So probably this this week is when you can buy this book. So check it out on yeah. Amazon. Uh, pick it up and uh, at Sticky Branding. Tell them what your kid's name is. And uh, I this has been a fascinating podcast. Actually, I can't. I really cannot wait to continue to to, to go through this. I had a blast, man. It was just funny, funny. I had no idea we were going to go down these rabbit holes. This was awesome. All right. Well, thanks so much, Jeremy. Take care. You too.